What's up, y'all? I got a dance deal for you, Chicago. Hubbard Street Dance heats up the Harris Theater stage with its spring series of joy next week. Now, this is some of the most dynamic, cutting-edge contemporary dance made by the world's leading choreographers right here in Chicago. I'm excited for Echoes of Our Ancestors by Maria Torres, among other creators. But you can only catch it for three performances between May 17th and May 19th. Luckily, CityCast Chicago listeners can get tickets in any section for 20% off using code CityCast online or over the phone. Visit HubbardStreetDance.com for details and use code CityCast. Today on CityCast Chicago. Illinois has officially become the first state to abolish cash bail. Chicago's hottest hangout is where? And it's going to be a very, very musical weekend. Joining me to look back and forward is Politico Playbook reporter Shia Kappas and Tribune music critic Britt Julius. It's Friday, July 21st. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is What Chicago's Talking About. Good morning, Britt. Good morning, Shia. Welcome back to the microphone. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having me. Hey, I appreciate y'all being here. Uh, It goes without saying, we got a lot of music going on in and around Chicago this weekend between local concerts, music and food festivals. Uh, Snoop and Wiz going to be in Tinley Park. Uh, The Yin Yang Twins going to be in Aurora. And of course, Beyonce and the Renaissance Tour is landing in Soldier Field this weekend. Everybody's talking about it, which got me thinking about your favorite musical moments what's your Chicago moment in time Britt what's that moment you go back into your head whether it's a performance a concert a festival there's lots of amazing um, local artists uh, in Chicago obviously but my favorite Chicago music moment was um, god maybe like more than like a decade ago um, Prince Mm. came into town for a secret show he did a couple secret shows Um, they were at the United Center that was great but then he was doing even more secret shows um, (laughs) at the House of Blues and it was right like on my birthday so it was amazing like clock struck, you know, 12 at midnight. He was doing the secret show at the House of Blues. And then he brings out Janelle Monet. Like it, uh, it just gave, it was a perfect way to ring on my birthday. And I, you know, I had zero money. Like I was so broke. So I really just like went through like what little savings I had at that moment. Oh, but I, I love it because, you know, a couple years later he was gone. And I'm so yeah. thankful that I was able to really experience him not only once, but twice. Oh, come on. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Uh, Shia, what's that Chicago music moment in time for you? Well, you know, I can't remember who played, but it was the first time I went to the Green Mill and I was like, oh, wow, this is like the just the coolest thing. I love the crowd. I love the vibe. I just love the whole just just the whole atmosphere. It's just a very cool night. And I've been there since, of course, but that was just the first time was just mm-hmm. like, the first time was so great. You know, it was awesome. Uh, <laughs> I, I love the range here between rare secret shows and Chicago staples. I've been to the Green Mill um, uh, for the first time in the last couple of years. And it is, it's its, its own yeah. moment in time type of vibe when you go in there. Um, I actually stopped in with our lead producer, Simone Alisea, and her mother, uh, when her mother was visiting, uh, and her mom oh. got up and was dancing, uh, got in yeah. on the partner dance. Uh, it, it was a vibe, like you said, it was nice. Um, a Chicago moment in time for me 
and it's also a shout out to an artist who's going to be performing next week at the Silver Room Block Party. And it was post-pandemic, and it was Mick Jenkins' first show post-pandemic. And what it was like to watch an artist like get back on stage after COVID, having not been in front of crowds. It was, it was not only an intimate show because of restrictions, but you could see him sort of working back into the rhythm and, and sort of figuring out how to be back in front of people. Uh, and it was such a great moment. So I'm excited to go out. He's now like previewing his next albums, got a single that just dropped. Um, so I'm excited to see what he's bringing to the stage next week. Um, again, we got a lot of Chicago moments. The best place to find out about them is, of course, in our uh, Hey Chicago newsletter. You can check it out at chicago.citycast.fm. Let's look back at some key stories from the week. And she, I want you to kick us off because a big one happened when the Illinois Supreme Court ruled five to two uh, that the state's ban of cash bail as part of the larger Safety Act um, is constitutional. Can you catch us up? How long have we been sort of waiting for this ruling? Well, this is years in the making. Uh, part of this law says that people in jail no longer have to pay cash bail to get out. So if you get charged with something, you know, you're going to go before a judge and the judge will decide if it's like a really bad thing that you did. If you're a really bad dude, you're going to go into jail, no bail. But if this is a petty thing, if it's um, maybe, uh, I don't know, you stole something and you shouldn't have, and you're probably going to come back to court and maybe it's the first time you're going to be, you know, let out, uh, and you'll come back to court when you're supposed to and, and no bail. And the goal, of course, is to get, you know, right now, so many black and brown people in the jail system are there because they can't afford bail to get out. And a lot of times these are people, you know, who who have, are in there for petty crime and, you know, they can't pay the $500 to get out of jail. Meanwhile, really bad guys who have lots of money at their disposal can pay and get out and often they're the ones that are committing uh, crimes again while they're out on bail. Now the system says, okay, we're going to fix this up uh, so that, you know, people who shouldn't be there, who have been disproportionately put in jail, uh, no longer are part of that system. The big challenge, of course, is, and op opponents are, you know, ah, freaking out that, you know, Bad people are going right. to be out. You know, they're going to run around the streets. They're saying it's Illinois' most, they're saying it's the country's most dangerous yeah. law is what some of these headlines are running with. Right, right. It's really, I mean, one of our very most conservative members of Congress, Mary Miller, uh, was the worst at this, you know, talking about how people are going to be running in the streets committing crimes. Uh, of course, that is not going to happen. Uh, the challenge will be when a judge makes a mistake or lets somebody out that shouldn't. And maybe there will be an isolated incident where something happens. And then the, you know, the conservatives again are going to use that uh, to fuel the narrative that it's not working. So mm -hmm. it will be, you know, important for uh, those in charge, the judicial system to make sure that, you know, mistakes don't happen like that. I mean, I think one thing that's also going to get a lot of focus and hopefully during this is, I mean, when you're relying more on judges discretion, which historically has right. not also proven itself to be something, um, you know, that is 100 percent reliable in the in the criminal legal system, um, you know, there's still going to be needs for accountability measures. Right. Um, but you talked about narrative. 
And Britt, I want to bring you in here because throughout this entire years long process, what we've seen this law really be pushed up against is just waves of misinformation across the Internet and these uh, conservative headlines. Um, I imagine this is not going away, but how do you think this has fueled, you know, slowing this process down? Um, I mean, in terms of, of those sort of uh, narratives, um, I don't think they're ever going to go away. Chicago has essentially been a scapegoat, right, since for a number of years, but I, I kind of personally feel like ever since, you know, President Obama was elected, it sort of became the the point of contention for, for a lot of people. Um, and for, for a lot of people who um, have these sort of feelings against Chicago, this is just going to be another way for them to sort of add to the narrative that they already sort of believe, even if like, you know, numbers, statistics, um, things like that, the data don't actually like line up with what their mm -hmm. views are of it in particular. Um, for me personally, as a lifelong Chicagoan, I'm not necessarily really concerned with how other people sort of view the city. Um, I always say, especially looking towards the future of this country, I think this is really sort of the best place you can be. Um, there's not a lot of places that will have um, what we need in terms of things like weather and water and safety and abortion rights and all these other things. So um, if it fuels or leads to sort of more people having negative views of the city, I think after more than 10, 15 plus years of it, it, it really is not going to make a difference. And as Chicagoans, we can't necessarily be concerned with outsiders who are too afraid to even go to a city that has like 50,000 people in it, never mind like two, three million people. Come on, Brett. Talk, talk, talk that shit. <laughs> but to your point, Jacoby, uh, it is going to become a big political issue. Like already I can tell that that Republicans and conservatives are, you know, trying to use this already in their talk as they lead up to 2024. And so the big question will be whether we see those fake newspapers like we saw in 2022, where they really, you know, mm -hmm. spewed all this misinformation about what the Safety Act and what uh, jail reform can really do. Uh, and it was confusing to regular yeah. people who would get this stuff in the mail and, and look at it. And it looks like a real newspaper. And meanwhile, it has, you know, innuendo and, and you know, misinformation about what, what can really happen after this instead of... Um, laying out the facts the way they really should be. Yeah. Some counties already moved forward come January with uh, sort of implementing this process. And now it'll be across Illinois. And we have till uh, mid or the end of September to see this really go into effect. What are you going to be watching for, Shia? Uh, just to see how, I, you know, it's going to be a lot of work. So I'm curious how the system can actually process all these people through the court system to, you know, hear their cases, determine whether they should be in or not, and then get them out? Like, will they still be in jail mm -hmm. for a few days, I guess, before they get through? I, I don't know how that's all going to work. I do know I heard uh, Kim Fox, the Cook County State's Attorney, saying that, you know, they uh, tried to be ready January 1st. And that got put on hold because of the Supreme Court case, but it has allowed them six more months to kind of be prepared for how to deal with this. So hopefully, you know, they'll be they'll be ready. Britt, in other news, uh, a story came out a few weeks ago um, that really caught your eye that talked about an unlikely place for uh, millennials, hipsters um, and uh, different programming. Can you tell us about this story? Yeah. So um, it's a great story. Um, and I was actually sort of 
I knew that it was in the, in the works for uh, a while. I, I know Lee uh, Gian Greco and, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's a story in particular about sort of, uh, as she called it, the Chicago's hottest club is the American Legion Post. Um, and uh, the reason why I was really actually kind of like interested in the story is because um, from my own kind of personal experiences in my 20s, I would go to a lot of VFWs and American Legions for like different kind of underground dance parties and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. So it has this really rich history um, locally, but also like around like the nation of being a place for, um, you know, different types of entertainment, whether it is like a obscure um, subcultural, like electronic music genre, whether it is a karaoke night, whether it is a comedy night, um, they are particularly welcoming and opening to a different, you know, variety <laughs> of um, people and scenes, you know, and especially for, for organizers of events who aren't able to run things at bars or other sort of event spaces because there's all of these sort of rules and restrictions and things like that. Um, but of course, you know, and you're, when you're going into one of those kind of spaces, um, the environment is going to be a little bit different. Oftentimes people are, you know, smoking inside um you know the drinks are extremely cheap which makes it very very fun for if you know if you're 21 22 23 years old like i was um but yeah you know it it really brings in a a sort of cross-cultural array of people um and it's really fun to be uh in those kind of environments when you know for example i would go to uh like back in like 2012 2013 for c-punk nights but you know you still get like the old veterans who had been in there for you know they're like 70 years old and they see all these weird kids with like pink and green hair just coming in how does how does that intersection like work and flourish because you know i'm reading through the story and you say if i can expect to see things like bingo nights yeah right but then inside of a vfw you know drag and burlesque shows and like you said rock concerts and karaoke you know how does that you know come to be I mean, you know, I, I think that, you know, their um, openness to um, a variety of, of different people um, sort of allows for the shows to happen. Um, a lot of times, you know, uh, organizers will, you know, sort of start going to them because the uh, environment is, you know, like I said, like it's cheap. Um, the rules are a little bit sort of more um uh, open because it's more of sort of a private venue rather than sort of like a public bar and things like that. They make friends with the people who um, work there, who run the bar, the bartenders and things like that. So there's a lot of different sort of like organic and inorganic ways for for those things to kind of come about. Um, and, you know, not everyone is as open as, um, as some of the other ones tend to be, um, but uh, it does make for a really interesting sort of cross-cultural experience. Nice. Shea, have you stopped by your local VFW or American Legion? Yeah, I think there's one near me, but I've never been in actually. So maybe I should. Maybe they have a concert. Who knows? Yeah, maybe yeah. go check out their events calendar. Um, Britt, I actually I want to stay with you because we're we're talking uh, a lot about music today. Um, and you recently uh, published a story um, about McKinley Dixon. Can you talk talk about uh, putting that piece together? Yeah. So um, McKinley's been making music for a while, um, but I was really interested in doing a profile on him with his latest release. It's called Beloved Paradise Jazz. Um, the titles come from Toni Morrison novels. Um, and, you know, uh, to me, like McKinley sort of represents um, a really exciting sort of, you know, new array of artists that are in Chicago, not necessarily from Chicago, right? Because he's mm-hmm. he's from um, the, you know, from the... Um, 
like Southeast uh, United States, came to Chicago, like kind of during the height of the pandemic, um, works at the um, Garfield Park Conservatory. But uh, this album in particular came out last month on City Slang Records. Um, it's, you know, it's hip hop, but it's really, really jazz inspired, a lot more so compared to some of the earlier works that he did. A lot of his um, sort of background was sort of in more kind of like punk experimental DIY spaces. And, you know, it was really interesting talking to him because he talked about how the album was so significantly inspired by a sort of urban magical realism that he experienced existing in Chicago, right? So he said like, I would see people riding faster than cars or just like disappearing into the street, like all of these like magicians, all these sort of things, you know, just which I think, you know, you're going to experience when you come to Chicago, especially like Chicago in the summer, which is what was really Mm -hmm. sort of like fueling this experience for me. Um, So it was really just like great to kind of like talk to him about this because um, I think one, it's always really interesting to to hear um, about, you know, uh, people talk about Chicago from the perspective of not being like a lifelong Chicagoan, which I think sometimes we sort of gauge our our sort of like credibility and things like that on as it relates to music in the city. But also, you know, what can happen when you're sort of inspired by the weirdness, the uniqueness, the um, the magic of, of living in a city like this for the first time and seeing a lot of things that you, you know, are like this must be out of like a fantasy mm. <laughs> novel. So yeah. no, I, I still feel like um, I'm glad that even as a lifelong Chicagoan, I haven't lost that eye to the city. Like this job has given me even more opportunity to like move around it and sort of recapture that sort of childlike wonder of experiencing things. Um, I gotta add beloved paradise jazz to the playlist. Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patient smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you could transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. While the music and the vibes of summer are sort of rolling fast through Chicago, the wheels of a new administration are, you know, they're off to their pace. And we just saw uh, the last city council meeting until September. Uh, Shia, you have been following Mayor Brandon Johnson's first few months in, uh, and you wrote a little bit about his his progressive agenda and how that's uh, starting to take shape. Um, can you talk to the CityCast listeners about that? Yeah, he... Uh... The city council met earlier this week. Uh, it's their last summer council meeting. And uh, I, I wrote today about how really it was they took the first steps to approve his progressive agenda that he you know, pushed during the campaign. Uh, they approved creating a panel to look at. So they didn't approve the actual bill. <laughs> but they approved a task force to look at 
raising a tax that would help homeless people in Chicago. Uh, it's been called the mansion tax. It's been called, you know, a few other things. And uh, it's raised a lot of controversy because what it does is takes, um, when you buy a property, you pay a tax to the city. It's called a real estate transfer tax. Uh, don't, don't tune out just because it starts to sound boring. Uh, so you pay this tax and it goes to the city and for services. Well, Brandon Johnson says, let's raise that tax on sales of properties of a million dollars or more. So uh, that mm-hmm. money can then go to help homeless people. Great. But of course, business community is like, oh my God, you know, people who have million dollar homes are like, ah. Right. I was like, I was like, all three of us, I, all three of us heard it. And we were just like, mm, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, maybe they pay $7,000 instead of, you know, $4,000. But if you're a multi billionaire, it should be okay. Uh, I think that's the way the thinking goes. Um, and so the city council passed a measure that would examine that proposal, which is a big step forward. Uh, that's a good thing. The city council also passed uh, making a hotel on Lincoln Avenue, uh, making that uh, a place for homeless people and offering homeless services. Mm-hmm. The diplomat motel, yeah, yeah, another big, an- another big plus. And the thing that they are they talked about, they put on hold, but will probably pass, is a measure that would. Um, allow people who are tipped at restaurants to actually get a minimum wage. And of course, the there's some concern about that too, because, you know, restaurants think that might cost too much. Uh, I talked to Carlos Ramirez Rosa, who's the floor leader, uh, a big supporter of Brandon Johnson. He's confident that it will come back and it would pass in the fall. Uh, and then the other measure is uh, uh, looking at helping people with uh, who are seniors or have disabilities uh, uh, to shovel their walks in the winter, having the city uh, take care of that. There's a lot of question about whether that would cost a lot of money, you know, and the mayor says, look, you know, it costs if we can't get people out of their homes and going to businesses. So it's a good thing to get people, you know, to be able to get out of their homes in the wintertime. So uh, those are all things that he's pushing for and their steps forward to get them accomplished. Britt, is that going to be the conversation over the next couple of years? It's going to be like, oh, these are some really good things for the city. And then it's going to be like, how do we pay for that? These are some really good things for the city. Uh, the business community is mad. These are maybe some really good things for the city. The Restaurant Association is mad. I feel like that's just going to be the back and forth, is it? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that's, um, I think that was to be expected, right, Um, by us electing Brandon Johnson um, compared to the alternatives, right, is that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we were electing someone who um, is uh, extremely progressive by sort of Chicago mayoral standards, but, you know, who had a lot of people um, on the, you know, opposite end of the spectrum who did not want him to be elected, um, who felt that, uh, you know, some of his policies or beliefs would be bad for business, would be bad for, you know, education, whatever, you know, what may have you. So um, I expected, but I also think it's a sort of thing that, um, you know, 
we can't actually get any sort of like progress um, without actually trying, right? So mm-hmm. if, as we know in Chicago, lots of things, you know, take um, a lot of time. There's a lot of bureaucratic red tape. There's a lot of discussions and conversations about things. Um, but eventually, you know, a lot of things actually do sort of, you know, come to fruition. And so um, if that's what, you know, needs to take place for a lot of these sort of initiatives, even sort of maybe the smaller ones, like mm-hmm. um, getting, you know, streets plowed um, for the elderly, then so be it. Because the alternative is that it just wouldn't happen at all. And who wants that? Plus, I do think that, you know, a lot will depend on where crime is. Mm. If crime starts to go down, it already was going down when Lightfoot was in office. If it keeps going down, then I do get a sense maybe the business community will be like, okay, like we can make this work. Uh, I think the escalation of crime right after the pandemic really freaked everybody out and um, prompted a lot of concerns about how the city was run. That slowly changed while Lightfoot was still in office. I think it's still changing. We'll see who the next uh, police chief is. You know, mm-hmm. maybe it'll all work out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will continue to follow it, obviously, as weeks go on. And again, the next meeting of the city council won't be until after the summer. Every single episode of City Cash Chicago ends the same way. And that's with some good news. <laughs> this can be a weekend event. It could be some personal, professional news, some some good news that you read. Uh, she, I'm going to stay with you. What's your good news for the CityCast listeners today? Well, I think uh, the good news is there is a program to help people in the Pilsen community uh, figure out how to lower their property taxes. And it sounds very mm-hmm. wonky. but And this was a neighborhood that was hit hard. You know, lots of people in other parts of the city uh, know how to get through the system to lower their property taxes. And now uh, George Cardenas, who works with the Board of Review, has gone into Pilsen and said, hey, here's how you do it. And he's helped a lot of people. And that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. We did an interview over in Pilsen uh, with a, a homeowner who who runs a butterfly garden outside her home. And when her property tax bill came back, it was a double digit increase. Um, and, and, it, and it immediately sort of sent shock their family. So to see these types of programs um, that that residents and neighbors can access is, is critical. Britt, what is your staying on a music note? Good news. <laughs> I told myself I was going to sing it because I listen to the podcast every day and I sing it when I'm like washing my dishes and listening. But appreciate you. I have I have a little stage fright right now. So <laughs> my good news, um, it is uh, one of my favorite weekends of the year. Um, it is the Pitchfork Music Festival weekend. Um, it's also Beyonce concert weekend. I'm going on Sunday, so I won't be at Pitchfork for the entire entirety of the weekend. But um, come on. I- <laughs> So a lot of stuff going on, you know, but um, I love uh, Pitchfork and I love that they have continued to um, sort of maintain their sort of devotion to experimental artists. Um, They are one of the most sort of um, gender diverse, racially diverse music festivals in the city, really like in the country um, in terms of its actual size. Um, So they're always really dedicated to having um, artists from a variety of different backgrounds and a variety of different sounds. And this year is no exception. There's a lot of, Mm -hmm. um, you know, great experimental artists that I really love that are performing. Um, J 
Lynn is going to be uh, performing. Um, she's from the kind of Chicago area, more like Indiana as well. Um, we have uh, Sin Morimoto, who is a Chicagoan, who's excellent. Um, we, uh, Charlotte Adidri, um, just incredible sort of synth, poppy, experimental stuff. Just like, in my mind, one of the coolest Black women who are out there. Um, uh, Yaya Bay, Vagabond, just um, Come on. lots. Yeah, you, took of- my, you took my two right there, Yaya and Vagabond. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to go see. I love them. You know, it's just, it's, and, and you know, and a lot of these artists who, um, you know, you see at Pitchfork and you're like, oh, they're really great. Um, they blow up like years later. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I wrote about it for the Chicago Tribune this year, I talked about how it was really great to see Kendrick very early on at Pitchfork. It was really mm-hmm. great to see SZA um, at Pitchfork. That was kind of back when she was still kind of mostly pop, you know, but she was, it was still <laughs> great to see her, you know. Um, so I, I always find it's a really great time to see these artists who um, maybe everyone else will love in about five years, but you saw them first, so. Come on, you're going to get a little bit of both worlds because I ain't going to let you go before we talk about it. You're going from Union Park to Soldier Field. You're going from up and coming to at the top. Yes, absolutely. How excited are you for the concert and how quiet are you going to be when it's time to be quiet? Oh my, well, Liz, I've been practicing. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going with my sister. I bought tickets for like the both of us, you know, because she was like, I think we'll only just kind of be like, you know, she's like, I can only really afford like the, the you know, seats in the nosebleeds. I was like, no. I was like, this is like my fifth Beyonce concert. And every concert I tell myself I'm going to get better and better seats. Get closer seats, and closer right? and closer. And I had a whole pandemic to save up money, right, for the next Beyonce show. So we have floor seats. They're gonna, it's gonna be so oh. much fun. Um, you know, we're excited. We're taking the water taxi over, so we don't have to deal with all the traffic and stuff Come like on. that. So gonna make it a, a nice experience. Get dressed up. Um, I think it's supposed to rain, which is not surprising to me because I've never gone to a Beyonce concert without there being a little bit of rain. But once it's over and she performs, you make it work. It's a beautiful experience. You know, it's mm-hmm. well, well worth the wait, in my opinion. So. Come on. Shea, you got any festivals or concerts on the on the docket or anybody you want to go see soon? I'm so bad, you guys. I need to have a <laughs> I need to have a live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, putting out the playbook yeah. is hard work every single day, and you do it yes. damn well, my friend. Absolutely. Um to round us up, my some good news is gonna stay on a music note and, and it's sort of a uh, a two-way shout-out. One, I want to give a shout-out to the entire music collective known as Chicago's The Great Thinkers, folks like Mother Nature, mm-hmm. Heavy Crowns. But I also want to give a shout-out to a member of the group, uh, Jeff Coons, who just came out with a new uh, tape, New Jack Jeff. Uh, and it's uh, he's got one song in there called Sapio Tone featuring my brother Achilles. I'm excited for this, uh, for this tape. I'm excited for all of the work that they've been doing around the city, the events that they've been putting on. Um, so I am definitely uh, want to give a shout-out. I'm going to drop a link for you. Uh, so again, I want to thank our two guests today. Shout-out to Shia Kappas from Politico, and shout-out to freelance and music critic with the Tribune, Brit Julius. I appreciate you y'all making time for CityCast. Thanks so much. Thank you. Before I let you go, I want to give a huge thank you to the people who make CityCast Chicago possible. Our lead producer is Simone Alisea. Our producers are Lizzie Goldsmith and Grant Irving. Our newsletter editors are Sydney Madden and Adrian Gonzalez. The music we all love is from Sam Thousand, all the kimonos, and Mark Greenberg from the Mayfair Workshop. Of course, my last thank you is for you. If you love the show just half as much as I love making it, please give us a shout out to your friends and family. Leave us a rating and review wherever you listen. And if you got an idea for the show, go ahead and send it. Voicemail or text at 773-780-0246. If you made it to this part in the show, 
Seriously, I appreciate you. Peace. Did you go to Taylor Swift? I did not go to Taylor Swift. Uh, that would have been too much for me emotionally. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah.